ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to The Truth. I'm your host, the one you love the most, Niall Huston, back with another episode here on The Truth, back with another Major League Baseball podcast. It's been a little bit of time. We did miss the last couple of weeks how we did our weekly MLB show. As mentioned on The Truth's Twitter, it was kind of pointless to be doing the show just because there was obviously a lot of teams that were either playing or not playing. There was no purpose of doing it. We've talked a lot about it, but we've gone over pretty much every week in Major League Baseball, and now we're to the point of the postseason. I am joined once again by AJ Ponciano. AJ, how are you doing here? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, team, my team was had a very high percentage of making the playoffs and then kind of just shit the bed, so... I mean, the playoffs are going to be bittersweet watching this year. Yeah, the San Francisco Giants, they look good. It seemed like for the majority of the season, ever since, you know, we did the weekly shows and we'd go over each team, the Giants looked like one of those teams that were going to make the postseason. But they ended up falling out. They fired their manager, Gabe Kapler. Logan Webb said that he needs, you know, the Giants to start finding ways to win because the season that he's been able to have, obviously, he wants to get back in those winning ways. My Twins made the postseason kind of lucky, some would say, being the worst overall division winner. But, hey, we made it. We get a matchup with the Blue Jays. I'm excited. Actually, I'm not even going to be able to watch it because we have practice both times, uh, both days at both times. So that's been a bit unfortunate. But, yeah, so we're back here with another edition of Waking Up. Well, not Waking Up the Truth, but another podcast here on The Truth, excuse me. How it's going to work today is we're going to go over our three takeaways from the MLB season. And then we'll preview the wild card matchups from the American League and National League. After that, we'll go over our bracket predictor. It obviously doesn't mean anything. We're going to obviously change it unless we're both right, which is impossible uh, for the DS and CS previews as well. And then we're going to go ahead and finish off with our World Series and our champions. So it should be a fun and exciting show. The MLB playoffs are upon us. But before we can get to the playoffs, we got to recap the Major League season. So what were your three takeaways from Major League Baseball this year? So my first takeaway is that these new rules that they uh place this year kind of just screwed the pitchers as a whole uh, I mean they're a lot more offense but this is what they were wanting but we saw the stolen bases I think this is the first time there was like this many like 50 stolen bases uh like by whatever how many players there were like Cunha, Estuary, Ruiz saying the rookie record there Cunha having already uh over 70 stolen bases or whatever it is at this point uh those rules were big the pitch clock was a big thing this year especially with the injuries uh that's my second point it's just seems like every pitcher uh got injured DeGrom and Scherzer both on the same team both the both the Rangers both got injured there I mean a lot of other pitchers got injured throughout the year uh because of the pitch clock um I think out of all the rules that would be the one I kind of uh either extend maybe make it like 25 seconds or something but that is one of the big things is that it seems like there's a lot more pitcher injuries this year. And then we've seen it, I mean, especially this year with the Orioles, is building uh, with their with your farm system the next couple of years. Not really tanking, but, I mean, if you know if you're not going to be good, then just don't be good. I know it sucks because it's a long season. But building through the farm system instead of, like, trading or signing for stars because go look at uh, the Padres, the big thing there. They have stars and Tatis, Machado. Soto, Bogarts, they traded uh, for half those guys or assigned uh, two of them, like Bogarts and Manny Machado, to huge contracts, and it really didn't work out. Soto was a huge trade. He would start off the year really slow and got better. Tatis was uh, suspended for the first part of the season, but as a whole, he, he had a solid season. But we've seen building through the farm system, especially with the Orioles this year. I mean, the, that rebuild was probably five, six years in the making. And showing through right now, I mean, they have one of the top farm systems. The Triple A just won 
the AAA like World Series basically, and they're right now they're the number one seed in the playoffs. So that's kind of great showing off the type of talent they are. They still have in the minors and still being able to finish at in the top of the league. Yes, my first takeaway, it's kind of piggyback off what you said about the Orioles, but just the Orioles and the Braves' success this season, both the one season, their respective conferences. I mean, the Braves, I think it was more anticipated, more for that, just the offensive production that they were able to have. I believe they tied the Twins' 2019 record for home runs in regular season, but Matt Olson was a guy that really emerged. Obviously, Acuna, 40-70 for stolen bases this season. Honestly, insane. And then their pitching staff as a whole, Strider. Elder, I think he was a guy that a lot of people were surprised by. But his his production, other guys as well, just overall for the Braves, tremendous production. And then for the Orioles, I mean, you look at the Orioles, and they don't like look like guys that are typically going to be you know big-time starters, particularly at the starting rotation. But they were able to find ways to have success as well. And so for them to be able to have success this season, and as you mentioned, just kind of building up their farm system and having success and having these guys kind of thrive in you know, whatever system it is that they're being brought in. I think that's something that's a bit underrated, especially with good teams. It's just, you know, you see different systems and how they're built up. You look at teams like the Yankees, the Mets, and even the Padres who spend all this money on guys. But then you look at farm systems that are just good at developing players like the Orioles and the Rays, the two lowest payrolls in this season. And they were the two overall top records in major or the American League this year. So there's just a lot of things when you look at it that, Kind of excites you about that, which kind of leads into my next takeaway, which is the Yankees, Mets, and Padres all missing the postseason. Is money really worth it at the end of the day? Look, you see the teams that they've built on here. I believe, I don't believe, I know that the Mets have the most expensive payroll this season, and they ended up sucking. I mean, they really were terrible this season, had to trade away all their guys, and still owed them a lot of money, guys like Verlander, guys like Scherzer. And it was just a disappointing year for them. And the Padres, you've mentioned Bogarts this time, having guys like Tatis, Machado, Soto. I mean, I'm not saying that you don't want to go ahead and sign your stars, but does it really matter? I mean, like I said, the Rays and the Orioles have the two lowest payrolls this season, and they have the most success by far, especially in the American League. So how does this work going into next season? How did these payrolls work? Do they go out and sell some players? I know Blake Snell probably isn't going to resign. Obviously, Josh Hader, the last game of the season, obviously kind of a feud there with the Padres as a whole. So it's just something to kind of see there. And moving forward, is money really the the thing that's going to make you know, a World Series team. I don't believe so. I think in baseball, you know, obviously with the luxury tax, not the salary cap, it, it does change the ball game at least a little bit. But going into this year, or next year, I should say, I'm really curious to see how it's going to work and, you know, who's going to be able to have success and how much money they're going to spend. And then my final takeaway was just the Angels' disappointment. I think this was the year that Angels fans were excited to make the postseason. And you got the best player in all of baseball, Shohei Otani, being able to, you know, smash home runs as well as, hit for you know, or pitch for tremendous amounts of success as well. And then Mike Trout was mostly healthy as well. But then they both went down with injuries and it was just a excuse me, a disappointing season for them. You know, more than likely they're not going to be able to re-sign Shohei Otani. And you know, Mike Trout is there for a while, but do they end up trading him down the line? I mean they haven't had success in forever. I know I had talked about it previously that they should have traded Shohei at the deadline. Although they, although they didn't want to and they wanted to make that run for the postseason. I think that was more of a selfish grab because I figure I think they figured if they could make the postseason, they could show Shohei that they can re-sign with them and they'd be able to, you know, win year in and year out for the most part. And they just weren't able to do it. It's kind of crappy to say because I feel like the Angels just wasted Shohei and Mike Trout together because we probably will never see those two play together. Arguably the two best players in all of baseball. And it's really disappointing to see. But Angels are a disappointment. They're going to continue to be a disappointment. You have the two best players in the world. 
for a period of time and weren't able to build, you know, a surrounding cast around them. Next season, I think it's not necessarily going to be a rebuilding phase because, like I said, you still have Mike Trout, but what are you going to do? I mean, that's going to be something that's the biggest question mark that the Angels face going into the offseason. All right, let's go ahead and take a look at the wild card matchups here. We're going to start off with the sixth and the third seed matchup, and we're also going to go over our two takeaways for the series and our series predictor. So the Toronto Blue Jays and Minnesota Twins, give me your two keys to success for the Blue Jays. So my two keys to success for Blue Jays, first one is Vlad showing up. I think he has a top five hard hit rate uh, so far as past season, but he also is in like the top five for ground ball rate uh, for balls in play. So he needs to be able to show up. He didn't show up this year, really. He hit, I think, right around 260, if not that, uh, right around 25 home runs. Uh, RBIs really weren't there. Same with runs. He wasn't striking out uh, at alarming rate, so that's not a problem. He just needs to get the ball in the air, and that's been a big thing all season with that. He just needs to be able to show up and kind of turn, turn a corner here and be able to play a little bit better in the playoffs, be a step up. And then Gosman can be the only uh, reliable pitcher on this team. And this pitching staff has been great this past year. Kikuchi's looked good. Bassett's looked good throughout this time. And they did this without Manoa, who looked great last year, but definitely did not look good this year. So that's going to be a big thing uh, outside of Gosman is there was going to need to be another starting pitcher that uh, is solid. Uh, potentially like a Jose Barrios, he's had a really solid year. Uh, really consistent here these last couple of years for Blue Jays. Bassett has his outings here and there where he looks really good, but then he also has outings where he gives up seven runs in the first inning. Doesn't happen often, but you can't you can't afford that in the playoffs. Yeah, so I kind of have the same two takeaways, but my first one is going to be just the consistent pitching as you had kind of talked about for the Blue Jays. As you mentioned, Gossman can't be the only pitcher. Look, when you look at teams in the postseason. One of the reasons why teams have success is because of their pitching, whether it's starting pitching or bullpen, you know, just in general. Because the studs in, you know, the regular season aren't necessarily the studs in the postseason. We always find a postseason hero, it feels like, on, you know, the pitching side at least, and there's always a postseason disappointment. Kevin Gossman is the game one starter. Not sure who they're going to start a game to, but they have a lot of options. I mean, Chris Bassett has had a phenomenal kind of end of the season. He had a lot of stretch of going seven, eight innings of contest and having success there, which is something that the Blue Jays needed. As you mentioned, Barrios has also been solid. They had gotten Hinjin Ryu back as well. So there's a lot of options that they can go to at the pitching side of things. You look at their bullpen. Their bullpen's all right. They did get Jordan Hicks from the Cardinals earlier this season, if you guys didn't recall. Uh, Jordan Romano has been relatively consistent out of the bullpen, but they need to have consistent pitching against a team like Minnesota, who, you know, I'm not saying I'm not going to jinx it and say that the Twins are going to win, but they have two really reliable starters going up in the the first two games of the series and Pablo Lopez and Sonny Gray. So in my opinion, this might be a series that's a very low contested game and whoever kind of cracks the pitching mold first is probably going to end up losing this series. And then secondly, it's just Vlad and Bichette having successful seasons. Look, you look at this team as a whole, obviously younger players, um, former you know studs in Major League Baseball. You know, the Bichettes are an example. Um, you got, you know, Vladimir Guerrero and his dad. And so there's just like a lot of intriguing situations for the offense from the Blue Jays. You got guys like George Springer, don't forget them. But Vladdy and Bo Bichette really have to step up to the plate, quite literally, for the Blue Jays in this postseason. You know, it might come down to a big hit or two from Vladdy or a big hit or two from Bichette. So if they're able to have consistent, you know, pitching as well as consistency from Vlad as well as Bo Bichette, I feel like there's a lot of opportunity for growth for the Blue Jays, um, you know, in this, in this series. All right, what about your two keys to success for the Twinkies? So for the Twins, my first one is pitching to shut down this offense. 
Boba shit, it's been great uh, this year. This offense just gets it done, uh, especially if Vlad, if he's able to step up. This pitching, uh, especially this younger younger pitching staff as a whole, like guys like Joe Ryan, I don't know if, if he's scheduled for a start or not, but him and Pablo Lopez, I'm a good, <clears throat> excuse me, are probably going to be the one and two starters there would be my guess. So they need to be able to shut down this offense. My next one is the younger guys need to really step up. Uh, guys like Royce Lewis, uh, he's been solid this year. Uh, Karloff, other guys like that. This team doesn't really have that big-name player. Yeah, Correa is probably the biggest-name player, but he's had a really quiet season, not that good of a season as a whole. And as you mentioned, they kind of made the playoffs as default because of how bad the division is. So it's not to discredit the Twins, it's just they had a super easy division to be able to get into the playoffs. And now they're playing a team like the Blue Jays, where three out of uh, the four teams uh, made the playoffs, if I'm not wrong. Them, the Rays, and I can't remember the last team off the top of my head. Orioles. Yeah, and Orioles, obviously the first uh, man one team right now. Uh, they had three of the four teams make the playoffs. So in comparison, they would have made the playoffs basically in any other division, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, what's interesting, too, is I believe the Blue Jays have a better record than the Twins, but there are – you know, sitting as the the uh, wild card spot or the final wild card team there. You know, for the Twins, it's got to be the front end rotation. That's my first key to success. They've been the focal points of this rotation this season, and I'm talking about Pablo Lopez and Sonny Gray. They have to have consistency. They have to have success in order for the Twins to have success. Sure, maybe game three, I'm guessing they'd go to Joe Ryan. Uh, Joe Ryan has been giving up the gopher ball a lot. He started off the season really great, but has struggled, especially as of late. And that is concerning, especially going against a team, you know, like the Blue Jays, where they hit a lot of home runs and have a lot of success with that. So that's going to be something that they have to, you know, kind of adjust and adapt to. You know, maybe Joe Ryan does go game three if it goes to a game three. But uh, how much success does he really have? I don't know. It's a bit concerning. I'd love for him to have a lot of success, but I also know it's Joe Ryan, too, the Joe Ryan experience. Maybe he's a year or two from success. Dallas Keuchel recently hit the IL. And is Dallas Keuchel a big name? No. But he's a guy that's been there, done that. He's one of Cy Young's, had success in the postseason. Him, him on the IL is going to be missed, surely. Bailey Ober, a guy that I think is going to come more out of the pen in this series. Same with Kenta Maeda. Two pitchers that, again, have kind of done more. I mean, Kenta Maeda has more experience than you know Bailey Ober. But they have to have consistency from their front-end rotation. You could also add a point they have to have consistency in their bullpen. Johan Duran is obviously very good, but he's also been shaky at times. And you look at this team as a whole as well. They recently got Brock Stewart back, who had a tremendous month of April and May. Emilio Pagan has really emerged nicely out of the bullpen. So there's some key arms in the bullpen that are poised to have success you know, for the Twins. They just got to find a way to stick that. And then finally, the bats come alive. I mean, Buxton, I don't know what his status is. I don't even care anymore because Buxton's hurt every week. Uh, but he, if he's able to come back at least to a certain extent, I know that he was recently uh, rumored to be returning soon. Correa, I believe, is still in the I.L. So there's some bats that need to come alive for the Twins in this postseason series. Otherwise, they're going to be screwed quite frankly. And that's not going to be good for them because obviously they need to have their best to have success. Otherwise, you know, they're just going to rely too much on their pitching. It's just going to be a difficult environment for them to be in and a hard place for their pitchers to have success. Even though it is at target field, they haven't won a playoff game since I've been alive. They have lost the last 18 playoff games. So hasn't been fun. That's the one thing I'm hoping that the twins are able to just break off the sump, the hump this season is to win a playoff game. If they win a playoff game in this series, I'll be happy. I will obviously be more happy if they are able to win it all, but I would at least be happy that we're in the right direction, uh, per se. Okay, what about your series predictor in this series? So for this series, I do have the Blue Jays winning. I think the Blue Jays will win 2-1. I think 
Uh, it would either be Sonny Gray or uh, Pablo Lopez. They're going to pitch a gem, and I think it's going to go to a game three. I think the Blue Jays make it, though. They do have the better record on the year. I think that if Vlad's able to show up uh, outside of that one game where they basically get shut down, I think this offense wakes up. Bobachet's been great all year. I think statistically, if he did get hurt, he would have been like a top five, top three shortstop statistically this season. And just as a whole, I mean, I think Gosman's going to uh, probably still win there. And who knows, if Kikuchi gets his 15 hours of sleep or whatever it is, <laughs> he may throw a shutout. So it just kind of it goes to pitching at the end of the day. Both these offense, uh, offenses produce in their own ways, uh, but it's going to come down to pitching. I think that's going to do a big thing here, especially early on. Uh, out of the starters. I believe both bullpens are probably very similar. Uh, the only difference is, is like maybe that middle area. I mean, two great closers in Duran and Romano's there. So if it gets to a late game situation, there's a good chance it is over. Yeah, so in this one, I'm going to go ahead and go with the Twins winning the series. Yeah, maybe I'm a little bit biased here, but I have them winning 2-1. to one. I kind of, the 2-1 to one matchups, especially in the wild card round, are always tricky because I feel like there's a couple matchups here in the wild card round where it really could be flipped. But I think, you know, it's about time that, you know, uh, I almost just said the Vikings, the Twins have success in the postseason. I think they win at least one game, are able to at least get over the hump there. I think it's going to come down to a decisive game three, and I think the Twins are going to be able to pull away with the victory. If I had to be a betting man, I would say that the Blue Jays win the first game of the series for multiple reasons. One, I think Sonny Gray is more consistent than Pablo Lopez, and two, wouldn't blow past me if this is a two to one ball game in game one with Gosman throwing an absolute gem. Then you get a little bit tricky there in game two. Maybe a Jose Barrios return to target field gets a little bit rattled. Twins win that one. And then the final game is like a three to two win. But I'm hoping the Twins win this series at least. I think they have a good chance of doing it. I think if there was a team that they'd want to face, it would either be the Rangers or the Blue Jays in the first round. So I'm going to go ahead and go with the Twins. Although they might not win, I think this series is definitely up for grabs. And whoever pitches better is going to be able to have success in this series. I think they can make that case for any, any series, but particularly this one too okay next matchup we got the number five seed rangers at the tampa bay rays the number four seed give me your two keys to success for the rangers so the rangers they need to hit they need to hit because this pitching staff has is not what it was at the beginning of the season even at the trade deadline losing to grom and scherzer are both huge you have other guys like jordan montgomery who's been solid throughout dave dunning has stepped up this year uh but just as a whole i mean uvaldi i believe he got blown up in his last Outing John John Gray, I believe, is injured. Andrew Heaney isn't the best pitcher there. They just need to hit. I mean, they've done that basically all year. But this, especially right now against the Rays, that Rays rotation, yeah, they're missing Shane Mack this year and all of next year. But even then, Zach Eflin has looked like one of the best pitchers in the league at this point. They still have Tyler Glass now. He's great. Taj Bradley, I think, can be solid. Uh, just giving up too much of a long ball. But they just need to hit against this race team. And you don't even want to get the starting pitcher out of the game half the time because the race uh, bullpen is so good. And next one is the pitching depth uh, Depth needs to be there. Uh, as I mentioned before, you don't have DeGrom. You don't have Scherzer anymore. They're both going to be out for the entire playoffs. I mean, you have to have someone step up. The depth has to be there. He needs to come out of the pen. Uh, and be great. Uh, other guys like that as well. Um, uh, Perez ne- needs to come out of the pen really good. Chapman can't be put in a close situation because it seems like he blows every close situation. Uh, so pitching depth is going to be a big thing, especially with this Rays roster. Yeah, they are the home run mashing team. They're more of a small ball team, but they do it really well. 
Yeah, my first key to success, as you mentioned, is the offensive firepower. Look, for the Rays, I mean, I mean the Rangers, excuse me, that's where they've had a lot of their success this season. It's just being able to mash balls. You think of how good this Rays team would be if they had, you know, the Jacob Zagram or, you know, a healthy Jacob Zagram really throughout the season, a healthy Max Scherzer, but they don't. So going into this series, they got to score a lot of, of points, and, or runs, I should say. And Marcus Seaman, Corey Seager, two guys that are going to be good there. Jonah Heim as well, guys like that. Even Mitch Garver, for that matter. So it's one of those things that's a must for the Rangers in this series because, again, as you mentioned, the pitching has been inconsistent for them. It's kind of an interesting matchup because I think a lot of people would classify the Rays or the Rangers as an offensive firepower team, and the Rays is a pitching offensive or a pitching first team, I should say. So it's going to be an interesting series. And then my second key to success for the Rangers is just a steady bullpen, as you mentioned. I mean, Araldis Chapman in the game against the Mariners when the Mariners were still having a, basically a chance to make the postseason – he didn't look great at all for them. Uh, he, I think he surrendered the first three runners of that inning. So you never know what you're going to get out of a guy like Chapman. Their bullpen is a bit inconsistent as one. You just can't have inconsistencies in your bullpen, especially when you're going against a team like the Tampa Bay Rays. So this uh, series for them is going to be huge to you know maintaining their success by having their bullpen have success as well. Okay, your two keys to success for the Rays. So the first one with the Reds is that small ball offense has to be there. Uh, Rosarena, Brandon Lau both have that home run capability. Same with guys like Harold Ramirez. They also have Junior Camillario, uh, who was recently called up. But the small ball offense has to be there. They play good defense. Their pitching's great. But they aren't the mashing home run team as, like, the Braves would be. They need to play their small ball offense, like how they are known to be. My second one is pitching has to shut down the hitters, especially the bullpen. I mean, the bullpen – uh, has been dominant all year, but you can't have any mistakes down the playoffs. They have to keep on being dominant. You can't get lackadaisical because Zach Eflin goes out and gives you six innings of one-run baseball or some, or uh, Glasnow strikes out 14 in his six innings that he goes. This bullpen needs to shut down. The starting pitchers need to come in and have good outings, especially against the Rangers who can hit. Uh, they hit very well. So everyone in the, in the pitching rotation – uh, it's probably going to be uh, F1 and Gosman start out uh, game one and game two. But uh, bullpen, they have to be on point throughout. They can't slip up to these hitters. Yeah, you know, for me and the Rays, my first key to success is just keep doing Rays things, as stupid as that sounds. Like, they're a team that, like, seems like they don't even want to win, but they do because of how they're able to develop their farm system. They don't go out and get, you know, big-name guys. Their biggest-name guy they got in the offseason was Zach Eflin. Um, that ended up working out good for them. But, you know, for the Rays, as you mentioned, just play the small ball baseball, find ways to adapt and overcome, you know, win the close contested games. I think the biggest takeaway as far as doing Rays things is just stopping the Rangers offense. Because if you're able to stop the Rangers offense, you're in a far better position in this matchup because the Rangers, as we mentioned, pitching is solid, but it's not great, especially without Scherzer and DeGrom. So that's going to be one of the huge things for the Rays in this series. And then my fun, or second key to success for them is just score enough and win the close games. There's going to be a lot of games potentially that they can, the two or three games in the series, it's going to be, you know, a one score game, two score games. And that's where the Rays need them to be at. If they're in a contested games, or I shouldn't even really say contested games, but games where, you know, it's a six, seven run lead for the Rangers, they're screwed. 
So keep them in those slow contested games. Maybe mix in some pitchers. That's what they've always done. Find ways to get it done in that aspect. And if you're able to do that, I think the Rays are in a far better position. And that's something that does excite me about this Rays team, you know, in this matchup here against the Rangers. But it's kind of one of those things that's an interesting battle between the two sides, two sides that have different philosophies on baseball in general. Um, so it should be fun, should be exciting, and I think it's going to be a good series. I really do, uh, between two really interesting teams. Okay, for your series predictor, what do you have? So for the series, I think it's going to be a close one. Uh, I think this goes to another three-game series. But I have the Rays winning it 2-1 to one here. I think that uh, Jordan Montgomery, he's going to come in and have a solid outing. I think that's where the one win is going to come from, and the team's really going to click there. But having Eflin and uh, Glasnow as your starting two pitchers, I mean, it's hard to bet against those two. I think that one of them will slip up. If I had to take a guess, it's probably going to be Glasnow just because he is uh, – I wouldn't say he has a problem, but out of the, between the two, to give up the long ball more likely, it is Gosman – or sorry, not Gosman, Glasnow uh, in this game. And I think that's the one game they slip up. I think Savali probably comes in to game three and has a good outing there. And I think it's going to be a bullpen game more and more of that game three just because they're going to uh, trust that bullpen. I think that bullpen is going to be solid throughout this entire playoffs. And also, as you mentioned, like a lot of times in basketball – and basketball, uh, or and sometimes even football, defense wins championships. And baseball version, pitchers win championships because if you really shut up the other team for enough innings and give your team a chance to build a lead, uh, it's very demoralizing when it's an eight four eight eight two game in the seventh inning. Yeah, so I'm going to go with a 2-0 series sweep here for the Rays. Look, I think it's going to come down to pitching the series. I think the Rays pitching is better than the Rangers. Actually, I know it's better than the Rangers. But I think more than anything, the Rays pitching is going to be able to slow down the Rangers, which is going to be something that's going to be huge for them to have success in this series. I mean, if they're able to have good success pitching, that is the Rangers, then this Rangers team is a far better position. But for me, I think this Rays team is in a better position than the Rays. And that's one of the reasons why I'm going to go ahead and go um, you know, with them in the series. It should be an interesting series. I think it's going to be the sweep, though. I think the Rays do take control, especially at home here in this matchup against the Rangers. All right, let's go ahead and move over to the National League and the 6-3 matchup between the Diamondbacks, the number six seed, and the number three seed, the Brewers. Go ahead and give me your two keys to success for the Diamondbacks. So my first two is the younger pitchers need to step up. They need to be good. You can't just rely on uh, Gallon and Kelly because – Yes, it is uh, the best of two here, but Gowan and Kelly, they can't be perfect all the time. If they have a bad outing and lose one of the games, you have to have a Ryan Nelson. You have to have a Brandon Piff to be able to come in and have a solid outing. You can't rely on Gowan and Kelly shutting out uh, the Brew crew, uh, be able to just come in and, like I said, shut them out. Because this offense is good, but it's also not one of the top of the league offenses. So you can't be out here not putting up any runs and rely on Gowan and Kelly to – should have shut their team out or hold them to one or two. My second one is going to be uh, Corbin Carroll, Cattell Marte, Cattell Marte, and Walker all need to – Christian Walker all need to carry this offense. I mean, it seems like that's what they've done all year. Uh, Gabriel Moreno has been solid throughout the year. Other guys like that, Leotis uh, – it's not Leotis Tavares, the wrong team. Uh, other teams uh, – other players on this team that uh, haven't been the best, they need to be able to step up also. But – uh, I mean, the, between Corbin, Cattell, and Walker, I mean, all three of them have been solid. They've just been missing another big name. Jor- Jordan Lawler has been up and down. He hasn't had the best season uh, since being called up either. 
But the offense needs to be carried by those three, uh, which is going to be hard to do just relying on three guys. But they've done it throughout this year to make the playoffs, so that's something that they need to still rely on. Yeah, so my first key to success for the Diamondbacks is just Gallon, Gallon, and more Gallon. Look, he is the forefront of that rotation. Obviously, we know that. You know, he's been one of the guys that's been consistent. I'd love to see Gallon have success past couple of seasons there in Arizona. But especially in game one, look, this is a series that the Diamondbacks, if they're going to win, they're going to have to take game one because it's going to be Corbin Burns versus, you know, Zach Gallon. And both pitchers are really good. But, you know, Corbin Burns, I do want to argue, is better than Zach Gallon just because Corbin Burns, I wouldn't say is more consistent because I do feel like he's streaky. But if he's on, man, he's on. It should be a good, intriguing matchup, but the Diamondbacks have to steal one or even two um, against the Brewers, or at least runs are scored in that game. Otherwise, like I said, it's going to be a difficult task for them moving forward. I don't know. I guess I'm I'm just assuming that Gallon is going to be the game one starter. I don't really know, but maybe it's smarter to put him as the game two starter and see you know where your team is moving forward because if they are able to have you know even steal a game against Corbin Burns um, in that first one there. Maybe they're in a better position to put Zach Gallon in, right? I mean, that's a situation that they might be as well. But you have Merrill Kelly, you have some other guys there, but you need to find a way to have success because if you don't, I mean, this Brewers team has so many great pitchers. They did lose Hader, obviously, but they have so many great pitchers that it's going to be um, interesting to see. And um, I do actually, I, I did look it up here. It looks like they aren't going to be starting Zach Gallon or. Merrill Kelly in game one. Uh, they're, they're turning to rookie Brandon Pafat to start game one. So maybe they're just surrendering the first game of the series, as I had mentioned, and trying to steal a game there. Because if, it's actually probably a smarter strategy because let's say you lose to Zach Allen up against Corbin Burns in game one, you're screwed. But maybe if you steal one there, Pafat, you got Zach Allen and Merrill Kelly. So they did a good job there. But regardless, Zach Allen's going to be the main force there as far as pitching. I think everyone knows that, and I think the Brewers know that. And then secondly, Carroll and Gurriel on the offensive side. Don't forget about Katal Marte. He's been one of the guys that's been kind of sleeping on the radar. He was like the leader of this team, or at least the younger generation of Diamondbacks players, but kind of fell off the map for various reasons. Um, you know, going into this matchup there, he's got to be somebody that's going to be key for their success. And I think he will be able to have success, but he's one of those guys, like I said, that's kind of fallen off the radar. So having said he played on the offensive side would be huge as well. All right, go ahead and give me your two keys to success for the Brew Crew. So my first key success is dominant starts out both Corbin Burns and Brandon Woodruff. But I kind of have to add this because I did see something that came out. Woodruff isn't going to be playing uh, in this first round of the playoffs. Uh, he had like something with his shoulder uh, at the end of his start, uh, his last start, where it's gonna, he's going to be held out for this entire first round. So that's going to be rough there. I mean, no pun intended there for Woodruff, but he needs to be able to have a uh, – he needs to bounce back, but Corbin Burns needs to take this game one from Brandon Pift. I mean, they have to. If the team's giving up a game like that, you can't let him steal it. Burns needs to come out and be dominant. And even then, I mean, their number two starter uh, right now, uh, Freddie Peralta, he's been nasty all year. He's played his best. Uh, he's pitched his best in his last five or six starts. So being able to get him uh, – is I wouldn't say an upgrade, it's not, but it's not much of a downgrade from Brandon Woodruff at this point. But you need dominant starts, uh, I guess, now out of Burns and Peralta, especially if they're basically going to give away game one, uh, it feels like. And then my second one is Yelich uh, needs to be back to old Yelich. I mean, we've seen it this year. He's definitely bounced back from the last couple of years uh, from from breaking his knee uh, that, because of that foul ball. Now, he, he doesn't have the home runs as he did, but his stolen bases are still at 28 on the year, still at 19 
home runs. Uh, get on base at a good percentage. Just playing uh, more – no, I wouldn't say small ball, but playing more better out of that leadoff spot. He isn't going to hit a home run every other bat where he, him and Bellinger were doing that just a few years ago. Uh, he's not going to give you that 330 batting average he did back in 2019. But 280, be able to just be that guy out of the leadoff spot, uh, get on base at a good amount, be able to just put pressure on this team. And also stealing those bags puts a lot more pressure on pressure on the pitchers now that he has that speed back a little bit more, feeling more confident in that knee. Yeah, so my first key to success is kind of flipped. It's going to be Corbin Carroll and his success. I did see that Woodruff is out that first round of the postseason, so it's going to be, have to be a number two. But obviously Corbin Burns and Devin Williams' success in the pitching staff. The pitching staff for the Brewers as a whole. Honestly, whoever has a better pitching staff in the series is probably going to go ahead and win the series. That's going to be huge for both teams, for that matter. So it should be exciting to see how these two teams you know, square off, especially with with everything that's on the line there. But Corbin's got to be on, especially, you know, for, for the Brewers. He's got to be on because if he's not on, then they're screwed. He's sometimes been on. When he's on, he's literally throwing no hitters. When he's off, he's giving up six earned runs in the first first inning, as you mentioned, with Chris Bassett. So it's kind of an interesting style. It's kind of interesting play how these guys do play. But unfortunately for fans that, you know, probably feel a heart attack every time these two guys, those two guys are on the court or on the field, excuse me, they kind of have heart attacks, but it's part of it. And then finally, Yelich said he played, as you mentioned. Yelich had a really good start of the season. I feel like he kind of cooled down there. He's obviously the leader on the offensive side. Don't forget they got Josh Donaldson as well. He basically pissed everybody off by saying everyone know, should know who he is um, when he first got called up to the Brewers. So that's obviously not a good start. But Donaldson, Yelich, the offensive bats, like this is the team that I had recent, uh, a couple of years ago predicted to make the World Series when they made the postseason just because of how good their pitching was. But that is their forefront, and that's their fortitude. That's how that they have success is having good pitching. So that's got to be something that's going to be fixed for them. Otherwise, like I said, they're not going to be able to have success because their pitching can only take them so far. Corbin Burns, as well as um, other guys, have, can only take them so far. So we'll see what they're going to be able to do. But I think they're going to be poised to have good success, especially how they match up in the series. All right, your series predictor in this one. So I have the Brewers winning this. I think that especially with the uh, Diamondbacks giving up game one, it feels like uh, starting Brandon Pift instead of Zach Gallon or Merrill Kelly. I think Burns, if he's dominant coming out to start, they should win that game there. Uh, and then game two, I really like Freddie Peralta. Uh, I know they don't have Brandon Woodruff, who's been great since his uh, since coming back from injury. I think he's had more more underrated season as a whole. I know he doesn't have as many innings as some of these other guys, but the amount of games he has played, he has gone deep into those games. But Frey Peralta's last uh, few starts, six innings, one earned, six Ks there against St. Louis. Six and a third, one earned, nine Ks against Miami. He did a lot of uh, three earned and five and two thirds with four Ks uh, against Pittsburgh. But then against the Phillies, six innings, one earned 10 Ks. So he's had really good outings as, as of recent. I think that Frey Pross is more of an underrated pitcher and being the number three pitcher in this rotation as a whole. I really like him coming into this game, especially if he's able to be dominant from the beginning. It's hard for this offense to wake up, especially if Cattell, Corbin, and Walker all get quiet really easily. I don't see other guys – uh, like a Gabriel Moreno or Alec Thomas coming in and really lighting, lighting a spark underneath this team to get him going. Yeah, this one I'm going to go 2-1 Brewers, but I really think this is the series that it could be flipped either way. Like, it could be 2-1 Diamondbacks. It's very really hard to pick a winner here because they're both so similar. 
I, I think at times I'd give the edge to the Diamondbacks just because, I mean, I think they have the better team overall, even though they are the sixth seed. I think, you know, I'd look at their pitching and their hitting compared to the Brewers. I think, you know, the Diamondbacks have a better team. But I'm still going to go ahead and go with the Brewers. I think they win game one, and I think, you know, they probably lose game two, but find a way to bounce back and win game three. I think their pitching as a whole is pretty solid. Um, but like I said, this is a series that could go either way. So it could be one of those things that turns into a game where, you know, um, they are able to lose game one. The Brewers are, or the, Brewers, or the Diamondbacks are able to lose game one, but win the next two. So we'll see. Um, but right now I'm going to go with the, the Brewers winning the series. But again, it could go either way. All right, moving into the final wild card matchup, the Marlins and the Phillies, five versus four seed. What do you have for the, sorry, two keys to success for the uh, Marlins? So for the Marlins, the first one's going to be pitching depth. Uh, you don't, I believe Uri Perez right now is uh, on the 15 day, day IL. You don't have Sandy, Sandy Alcantara. So who are you going to go to? Braxton, uh, I don't remember his last name, Braxton Garrett, sorry. Uh, are you, is Braxton Garrett going to be your game one starter here? I mean, the pitching depth is going to be huge here uh, going to this game. Uh, Edward Cabrera, I believe, has been solid. Same with Jesus Lazardo. So it's probably Lazardo, going, Lazardo or Garrett going game one or two. Those are probably going to be your one and two starters uh, at this point. I, I think there's a good chance one of them gets a win. But the pitching depth, the bullpen hasn't looked the best uh, in these games. David Robertson, since being traded over, I think has had like seven blown saves, it feels like. He has not been good. And then this baseball team is like a dink and dunk uh, type of team. It seems like they'll get a couple singles here and there, and then you have guys like Jorge Soler coming in and hitting a, uh, like a 480-foot ball. I'm like, it seems like that's how this team's going to go. The only problem, though, with that is I believe Luis Arise was seen with a – not cast, but like a little splint on his ankle, and he was hobbling around. Uh, the other day, I, I was seeing a video of that. So that could be a problem there, not having uh, the back-to-back uh, hit leader there, our batting average leader in the MLB. So that could be a big problem for the Phillies in this – or sorry, for the Marlins in this. Yeah, so my first key to success is really just the injury prone in the starting rotation. How are they going to be able to adapt and overcome? I mentioned, or you mentioned, that Sandy is not on there. Eric Perez is on the IL. So how are they going to be able to adapt? I mean, Braxton Garrett's going to have to step up. Guys like that, Jesus Lazardo. These are guys that you probably wouldn't, I'm not saying wouldn't expect to have success, but, you know, compared to this Marlins team as a whole and why they had success this season with with guys like Alcantara and Uri Perez. So how are they going to be able to adapt to the Philly starting pitching guys like Nola Wheeler? Even Lorenzen can be mixed in there at times. So there's a lot of interesting factors in this one um, as far as overall play and then who's going to be with who. But it is going to be something for the Marlins that they're going to have to adapt with and overcome because if they're not able to, then like I said, this team is just in a far worse position. Um, it can be in a very sticky situation, which obviously wouldn't be good for them. Uh, they want to find a way to win and, and have success really from the get-go. And then my second key to success is just Jorge Soler and Josh Bell on the offensive side. You know, emerge as, as really big stars for them. Jorge Soler, you know, when he was healthy, I think he had, what, 35, 36 home runs. Absolute power bat. Josh Bell, I felt like, played better with the Marlins than he did with the Guardians. So that's a bit of uh, some optimism there. But find a steady, steady path between these two. And if they are able to, I think they're in a far better position there. Okay, your two keys to success for the Phillies. So the Phillies, my first one's going to be those number one, number two starters, Nola and Wheeler. They need to have dominant starts here. Uh, Nola hasn't looked at the pitcher uh, that he was before the last, couple, last few years. Uh, Nola is giving up a lot more hits, uh, a lot more hard contact also. Uh, not the hardest thrower. Uh, I believe he sits right around like 90 
293. He can top out, I think, like 94, 95, I think. Uh, but more of a sinker ball, sinker ball pitcher, his, his sinker change of slider uh, kind of trio that he has going on hasn't worked out uh, to his favor at this point. Wheeler's had a really solid season as a whole, uh, but those two need to dominate coming into play, into this playoff game. I think there's a good chance uh, if the two, uh, I guess Nola, especially with the small ball kind of dink and dunk offense that they have, I think that's what he's going to be the most likely one to be able to uh, not fail, but not have the best start out of the two uh, compared to Wheeler, who's basically been on with everything. I think he still has one of the hardest fastballs in the league. He averages like 99, 100 mile per hour on every single fastball he throws. And then Trey Turner staying hot ever since the ovation. I mean, it's changed. <laughs> He's like a 360 hitter, almost 20 bombs since that uh, game. He has looked like the best uh, player in the MLB since that happened. And I know the Twins tried to do that with Carlos, and it didn't really work out. But it's working for Trey Turner right now. So keep feeding off of that. Keep on giving him standing ovations. Shoot, maybe even give Kyle Schwarber a standing ovation. He may hit over 200 if they do that. Yeah, my first key to success for the Phillies is just the offensive guys, Bryce Harper, Kyle Schwarber, Trey Turner, and I just put home runs. Look, that's going to be their calling card in this series. It's been kind of their calling card this season. It's just hitting a lot of home runs. And going into this matchup here, it's going to be something that they're going to have to do, especially against the Marlins pitching staff. I don't want to say he's depleted, but doesn't look as good as anticipated going into this series. So being able to hit home runs, put pressure on the Marlins as far as their pitching staff is concerned, is going to help out tremendously and just open up so much more opportunity for success in this matchup here. That's something that I am looking forward to in this series, especially on the Philly side. And secondly, they actually have a really good starting rotation. It's just what I put there because they really do. I mean, they have uh, Aaron Nola, Zach Wheeler, had Christopher Sanchez had success. Michael Lorenzen obviously threw a no-hitter this year. So they actually have a pretty solid rotation. How they utilize their rotation is going to be huge for them moving forward. Are they going to be able to have success from the get-go or are they going to be a team that struggles? You know, what's the situation like going to be for them? I think... As time goes on, they are going to be able to have more success. But this is a very good rotation. They were able to have success and make the World Series last year because their pitching as a whole from top to bottom was good. So maybe flexing those guys, some of the bullpen um, is going to help as well. But bottom line is for the Phillies, they're going to have to be able to hit home runs and pitch really well, just like you'd expect any team. But this Phillies team is still really solid. Okay, your series predictor. So for the series, I have the Phillies winning. Uh, I think it's going to be two to one. There could be really chance, really good chances two zero, uh, especially not being able to have Sandy or Oro Perez start one of these games. I think uh, it either has to be Lizardo or uh, Braxton Garrett. One of the two is going to have a really good game. Uh, if, I, if I was to bet, it probably would be game one. They're going to come out hot uh, and take that, and then Phillies are come back and get the next two. But also on the other hand, this team, uh, the Phillies, they're really good hitting team. They hit a lot of home runs, and that's one of the problems with Lizardo that he does give up the long ball. Uh, it also gives up really hard contact, so that could be a problem there, but I think one of the two comes out, they have a pretty good outing, and they win that game, especially uh, if the Phillies are off. I mean, if they're off just a little bit, uh, this team has will probably have like 15 to 16 combined strikeouts between everyone uh, at times, so I think if there's a game like that, uh, I think there's a chance that one of that could happen. I, I'm going to say 2-1, but there's a very good chance this could be a 2-0 sweep. Yeah, in this one, I'm going to go ahead and go with the Phillies winning this uh, series 2-0. I think they're going to go ahead and sweep. I think the Marlins are just too depleted for this Phillies team, and this Phillies team is really good. 
Um, they won like recently eight games in a row. This is a tough team to go against, especially for the Marlins. But I don't think it's necessarily going to be a bad series. I think it's going to be a good competitive series. I'm just going to go ahead and say that the Phillies are going to be able to dominate it um, just because they're pitching as well as they're hitting and the, the way that they were able to hit you know, this season. And really, as of late, um, is going to be you know, the calling cards for success in this one. So should be a good, intriguing matchup. But I'm going to go ahead and go with the Phillies sweeping the series here at 2-0. Okay, now it's time for our bracket predictor. So what the bracket predictor is, it's really just what we had predicted in the series um, for the wildcard matchups. Then we're just going to continue forward, obviously, with the DS and CS. Maybe a reason why we think we have a certain team winning or previewing the matchup that could potentially happen. But just something relatively quick. Obviously, when we do the DS, CS, and World Series preview, we're going to obviously probably have different, you know, than it is. We'll just individually preview it. But it's more of a fun thing, kind of like a little bracket challenge here. So continuation from the wild card round and, and moving forward here. So with that first one, give me your ALDS matchup between the Orioles and who? The Rays. I have the Rays beating the Rangers, uh, as mentioned earlier. I think the Rays pitching staff is very good. Uh, this game's going to be super fun. Uh, it's definitely going to be more of the same as the Rangers and Rays series where the Rays have the pitching while the Orioles have the offense, and it's kind of flipped. The Orioles have decent pitching. I mean, Grayson Rodriguez has looked like one of the best pitchers uh, since the recall up. But you have other guys like Dean Kramer, Kyle Gibson, other guys like that who aren't the top-end guys. Uh, that, that you'd be like, all right, yeah, that's the number one guy on our team. They're more of like the maybe late, like number three guys or number two guys on, on some of these rotations compared to the Braves who have Eflin, they have Glass now. Aaron Savalli's looked pretty good this year as well, uh, and plus the shutdown bullpen that the Rays have. Also, the Orioles, they are missing Philip Batista still. Uh, I don't know exactly if he will be healthy for this uh, by the time that it comes around. There's a good chance that there is, but it's back and forth with him. You still have your near Cano, uh, who has blown a couple saves since Batista's gone down. But I, as a whole, I think the Orioles will win this. I really like them. They're really well built. Uh, they're also still super young. I think the offense is just good enough to get past the Rays uh, pitching. But, and I think the Orioles pitching will do just enough to be able to kind of hold off these Rays offense. Yeah, I got the Orioles and the Rays as well here. I think this is going to be a good matchup. Arguably the two best teams, as far as record-wise, in the American League. You mentioned Felix Bautista, yeah. So I think it was yesterday or the day before, sometime very soon, they actually announced that he's going to need Tommy John surgery. So he's going to be out for not only this postseason, but also the entirety of next season as well, which is a huge loss for the Orioles. For the Orioles, though, obviously, Yanir Cano's had success. Um, he's been one of those guys that's been consistent, has pulled off, especially as of late. But especially early on in the campaign, was able to have good amounts of success. They also brought in guys like Jorge Lopez. They recently, not recently, a while ago, got like Shintaro Fujinami. So they're going to kind of have to pick and choose here at their bullpen. Obviously, losing a guy like Felix Bautista hurts them tremendously. So curious to see how they're going to be able to adapt and adjust. But it's going to be a good series, a good pitching series. I think there's actually going to be more run score in this one than maybe expected just because the Orioles don't have a great starting rotation and the Rays do. Um, but I think this is going to be kind of a high-scoring series here. I think this is going to be a fun, intriguing matchup, and, and we'll really see who, what's going to happen here. I have the Orioles – or I'm sorry, the Rays winning the series here. I think the Orioles – it's not that I don't think the Orioles aren't good, but you see a lot of these good teams kind of fall, especially as the, the season goes on. So I have the Rays winning the series against the Orioles, but I think it's going to be you know a game that's decided by maybe one or two games. 
Okay, and then your second ALDS game or a series, I should say, the Astros versus who? I have them uh, playing the Blue Jays here, uh, as the Blue Jays being the Twins. Uh, I think the Blue Jays' offense should be pretty solid. They should be ready, but both these offenses are great. I mean, the Astros. I mean, having a Tuve, you have Kyle Tucker, you have Jordan, you have Bregman, who's looked good as of recent as well. Uh, I think they're going to have a really good series. I mean, we've seen this Astros team, even without the trash cans, I got to give it to them. They've been solid. A lot of this team also didn't have the trash cans back then. They weren't on that team. So you can't really blame all of those guys for that. Really, you can only blame Altuve at this point, the guys on this team for that. But I think that the series will be pretty solid as a whole. I think it's going to be a lot more offense-orientated. I think on both teams, the Blue Jays, I think Vlad's going to have a lot better playoffs than he did regular season. Here, I think Gosman and Verlander are both going to have solid starts. I bet it's really going to come down to the next few guys. Bramber Valdez hasn't looked the best as of recent in his last few starts, but again, he's also thrown a complete game no hitter before. Uh, I believe earlier this it, earlier this year he threw a no hitter. So it's one of those things where it's like you have the pitching for the Astros, you have the hitting on the Astros as a whole. At least right now, uh, the Blue Jays look solid, but. It's really going to come down to pitching at the end of the day. And I think the Astros just have a little bit better pitching. Uh, Christian Javier hasn't looked the best as a whole. But J.P. France has been solid this year. Hunter Brown's been up and down. I think he has, like, a losing record. He's, like, 10-12 and 12 or something like that. But he also eats up a lot of innings. So that could be a big thing there. The Astros' bullpen has been solid, like Presley. But the, Ray- or the Blue Jays' bull- bullpen have also been really good. Other guys like Swanson, Romano, uh Mesa, they've all been solid this year. I think it's going to come down to the offenses as a whole. I think this could be more of an offensive game in comparison to the Orioles-Rays series. Uh, but I have the Astros coming out winning this game. Yeah, in this series, I'm going to have the Astros and the Twins, as I had mentioned earlier. I'm going to go with the Twins winning this series, even though it's probably unlikely and probably more of just a biased pick. Look, I mean, I don't think the Twins stack up great against the Astros. I'm kind of hoping that Frankfurt has a rough start, which he's been prone to at times. Verlander maybe having a rough start as well. But, you know, for the Twins riding some momentum, the thing with the Twins is they haven't won a playoff game in 18 games. So if they win a couple playoff games here and are able to win a playoff series, maybe there's a little bit more energy with the Twins. Maybe they have a little bit more momentum right into the series against Houston. I mean, the Twins have beat Houston in their season series so far this year, so that's plays to their advantage at least a little bit. Um, but it should be a fun, exciting series between these two teams. Regardless, but I gotta go ahead and go with my twins. I think they have a, a good shot, you know, in a, in a best a different matchup compared to a best of three matchup. I think they have a better chance as well. So we'll see. Um, but it's probably unlikely. I think it would be a good pitching series, though, nonetheless. Okay, switching gears to the ALCS. Give me your two teams and who you have winning the ALCS. So for the ALCS, I'm gonna go with Orioles and Astros here. Uh, I think it's going to be a better series. I think it's going to be more well-rounded series. I, but I think those Astros' offense is just too good uh, to hold for this. Or sorry, for the Orioles pitching staff to be able to hold them off. Uh, I think that Verlander may get hit around. I think that's going to be my more of like a bold take for this series. I think he's going to get hit around against the Orioles. But I really like guys like uh, Framber Valdez, Hunter Gen- Gunner Gunner Henderson's uh, had trouble against lefties. Adley's still a, a switch hitter, but I believe he does hit better from the left side. Uh, outside of that, the rest of the lineup uh, has been solid, but I think Framber is going to have a really good outing here. I think JP, JP France will have a good outing as well. 
And like I said, I think the Astros uh, hitting is just too good for this Orioles pitching, at least at this moment. Uh, I will have the Astros winning this, but I think it will be a pretty good series as a whole. I think it may uh, come down to – it may be a deeper series as a whole. Uh, I think there's a good chance the Orioles steal some of these games uh, that the Astros should have won, but I think the Astros will come out of the top here. Yeah, so this is going to be an interesting series, in my opinion, between the Rays and the Twins. Again, another pitching series here. I think the AL is dominated as far as pitching is concerned, just with, I mean, a lot of teams that are, you know, there, obviously. Going into this match between the Rays and the Twins, I'm actually excited to see it if, it if it does happen because I think it would be an underrated matchup here. I think the Rays do have the advantage over the Twins just because, you know, the Rays are a better team. I mean, that's obvious. I'd admit that any day of the week. But especially in this matchup here, I think it's going to be one of those things that it's exciting to see, you know, and then exciting to see this pitching matchup go here. I'm going to go ahead and go with the Rays winning the series, though. If, you know, for some reason the Twins are able to you know, make it to the ALCS. I don't see them going much farther. I think the Rays are a really good team. I think they're, I wouldn't say they're better than the Orioles. They obviously had a cold stretch here, but I mean, Randy Rosarena is literally the next Mr. October and the Rays as a team have been Mr. October. So I think the Rays do win this one here, but it should be one of the things that's kind of interesting and kind of a fun matchup to see, but it should be a good series nonetheless uh, between these, these two teams. I'm going to go ahead and have the Rays be the uh, AL champion, regardless on, you know, who, if the Twins make it or if the Blue Jays make it. I think the Rays definitely do have a, have a good option there. All right, switching gears to the NLDS. Go ahead and give me your first matchup between the Braves and who? I'm going to have the Braves and Phillies. I think the Phillies are going to beat the Marlins early on, but in the series, the Braves are just too good. And you also give this much rest to these pitchers. Uh, you give Strider this much rest, you give Freed this much rest. Same with Bryce uh, Elder. This bullpen has been good, but this offense, I mean, this offense ha- has one of the only offenses in the league. I think they are the only one in his- MLB history to have like three, or sorry, like four guys hit 30 plus home runs. Uh, Matt Olson would be the MVP if Ronald Cunha didn't do what he did this year. Cunha uh, is going to win the MVP. I mean, you have the best. Uh, you have probably two of the best hitters in the league in Kuna and uh, Olsen in the same lineup right there. But you also add on guys like Austin Riley, who had like 37 home runs. Uh, Ozzy Albies, who hit for a lot higher average than what he normally does, uh, him have 30-plus home runs. But also guys like Michael Harris out there. Marcelo Zuna, I believe, hit two home runs on the last day of the uh, of the regular season. He broke over 30 home runs or something like that. Uh, just this team, this offense is too good. I think Wheeler and Noah, again, one of the two are going to get hit in this series. Uh, it seems like the Braves and Phillies play each other a good amount as well. I think I have the Braves winning this, and I think it's not going to be super close, especially uh, if Schreider and Freed are able to come out and take those first two games against uh, Noah and Wheeler, that, or if Bryce Elder is able to take a game, depending on how the rotation works out. But I think the Braves easily win this one, though. Yeah, you know, looking at the series here between the Braves and the Phillies, I'm going to go ahead and go with the Braves in this one as well. I think the Braves are just too good. I mean, their rotation's too good, obviously. Their bats are too good. And I think it's going to be a better series than anticipated. I think it's going to go down to the final game of the series. The Phillies are a good team, but I don't think they stack up against the Braves. Maybe you see some surprises. Maybe Strider loses the game or Elder loses the game, and they have a guy that's an unsung hero. But they're off- Excuse me, their offense is just too good. It's too difficult for the Phillies to match up with. 
And, you know, it is an NL East showdown. I think regardless, it's going to be an NL East showdown in the, you know, and have a representative there in the conference championship series, which is obviously huge. You want to see that, especially with good teams and good divisions. So I think for them, it's an advantage for them, but I think it's going to be a very interesting game to say the least. Um, But I'm going to go ahead and go with the Rays winning that series there. I think it's going to be a really good competitive series though. Okay. And then the Dodgers versus who? Dodgers versus Brewers here. Uh, I think the Dodgers win this series. Uh, I think the pitching actually stacks up fairly fairly well. Uh, they don't have Urias anymore uh, because of what happened off the field. Kershaw has looked great so far this season. Uh, they're not going to have Walker Bueller out there. I know there's a chance that Bueller could come back from the playoffs, and they did shut him down completely. Uh, but this offense, I mean, Bobby – or sorry, pitching. Bobby Miller has been – uh decent but he's also had starts where he's got hit around uh but the brewers they have their starting uh three pitchers who is going to be solid uh woodruff should be back for this series uh you still have corn burns you still have freddie colin ray has been bad uh devin williams been one of the best closers but still this dodgers offense just finds a way to do it yeah you have freeman and Betts, but outside of that i mean this team is just mixed up a lot of different guys jd martinez betting on himself uh, and being one of the best DHs this year. You have Kike Hernandez, who always seems like he shows up uh, for the Dodgers in the playoffs. Same with Chris Taylor. Uh, you got Max Muncy still. Med Rosario's on this team. He's been uh, solid as a whole. He's been switching off time, uh, I believe, with uh, Miguel Rojas, who's been decent. James Outman has looked good, especially defensively. I think the Dodgers are pretty solid. They're pretty good. I think they're going to beat the Brewers, but I think it's going to be a better series than what people think. I don't think it's going to be a sweep. Yeah, so I have Dodgers and Brewers in this series. Um, I think I'm going to go ahead and go with the Dodgers in this one. Look, the Dodgers are just too good. They start off the season a bit rough. I shouldn't say rough is necessarily the appropriate word, but a little bit less than anticipated and a little bit less of um, overall success, I guess you could say. But this is still a really good team from top to bottom. On the offensive side and pitching side, yeah, they lost Jose uh, Julio Urias, excuse me, but it's not the end of the world for them. They have Clayton Kershaw, who's been consistent. I believe Bobby Miller is starting game one or game two as well. He's been really good for them. Guys like Emmett Sheehan. So their pitching as a whole has been good. Vessi has been back, which has been huge for the Dodgers to have success there. So you look at this team as a whole, I think there's a lot of reason to, to say that they're going to have a successful series in this one. I think they are the better team, and so they're going to go ahead and win. And I wouldn't be surprised if the Dodgers sweep the Brewers here, or even the Diamondbacks for that matter. Just I think the Dodgers are extremely good this season, but... Yeah, we'll go ahead and, and see if they are able to live up to expectations moving forward. Okay, your NLCS matchup. So for the NLCS, uh, Braves and Dodgers, I have the Braves winning this. I think the pitching, the offense is too good. Uh, I think that this is kind of a series for Freddie. I mean, we already saw emotional he got there, but if the Dodgers win, it could be kind of crazy. It's going to be bittersweet, I think, for Braves fans. More bitter, I guess, because the Braves did lose. But also seeing Freddie potentially be win another World Series. I mean, I think a lot of Braves fans wouldn't be too upset if they were the team to win there. But I think the Braves are just too good. Again, Strider, Freed, and Elder have all been sold. And someone who we both haven't mentioned up to this point, Charlie Morton. Charlie Morton's been the most consistent pitcher on this team. Uh, Freed's been dominant, uh, but he hasn't pitched a whole lot. Strider's up and down. Elder's been up and down more recent. Uh, but Charlie Morton's been right there the, the entire time. And it seems like in the playoffs as well, when uh, he was 
with the Braves just last these last couple of years, but also when he was on the Astros, he was great over there in the playoffs. I have the Braves winning this game. I are winning the series. I think this it will be a little bit of a closer series. Uh, I don't think it's going to go to Game Seven or anything. I think that there's a good chance that this uh, the Dodgers maybe win one, maybe two games at most. Uh, but I think the Braves dominate here. Yeah, Dodgers-Braves, it's going to be a great series here. I'm going to go ahead and go with the Dodgers. I'm going to go with a little bit of an upset here. I think the Dodgers, I'm not saying are a better team than the Braves, but maybe the Braves aren't able to get back to the World Series as they had recently done. But all in all, I mean, this Braves team is no joke, and they are still really good. I don't want to say that they're not, you know, good at all. But I think this is one of the teams that's been, um, you know, interesting for them to kind of see the success that they've had, especially this season. But this is a team that's really good, but I think the Dodgers are a little bit better, and that excites me to see the Dodgers play in this one, but it should be a good matchup nonetheless. I do have the Dodgers winning this game here, this series, I should say, against the Braves, setting up for me a Rays and a Dodgers uh, World Series. And so for your World Series, who do you have and who do you have winning? So first World Series, I have Orioles versus the Braves. I believe, what, both number one teams. Uh, I have them going out into the playoffs and playing each other, which is kind of surprising because usually there is an upset and the both number one teams don't make it, but I think the Orioles and Braves here, I'm going to have to go with the Braves all the way. Uh, I think the pitching for the Braves is much better than the Orioles as a whole. This offense uh, for the Braves, much better as a whole. Uh, but the Orioles are the game there. I mean, this is only truly number one of the rebuild in the sense of the, or of the rebuild uh, starting or ending, I guess. Uh, they have Ratchman's up, Gunner's up, but they also have a lot of guys still in the minors uh, that aren't going to be here from the series. Uh, a lot of guys who potentially could have got called up this year because how well they played throughout the year but didn't. Like guys like Jackson Holiday, the way he progressed through this uh, minor league system. I mean, I think it's going to be maybe a year or two until the Orioles are fully rebuilt like that, but they're on the right path, clearly. They're number one team. I think next year may be the year they potentially win it all. And who knows? We could see Orioles and Braves for the next few years because of how long the Braves have all their guys locked up for. But I think at the moment, the Braves are a better team uh, as a whole. I think that they're more well-built. They have all their young guys. They've also went through a little bit of a rebuild phase a few years ago. I know it kind of got jump-started having guys like Cunha and Ozzy come up at the same time. Same with Riley. Michael Harris has looked great. Uh, I know you lost Freeman, but you replace him with Matt Olson, who statistically I think has put up a better offensive season than I think Freddie has ever put up in comparison for in a Braves uniform. Yeah, in this one for the World Series, I have the Dodgers and the Rays. I'm going to go with the Dodgers winning this. I think this is a rematch of the 2020 World Series, if I'm not mistaken. I think it was during the COVID season. Uh, but Dodgers-Rays, I think, would be a perfect World Series. Two worlds colliding, the best team. I wouldn't say necessarily the best team in the American League, but one of the best teams in the American League, and then you know one of the best teams in the National League. I think it would be a fun and interesting series. I think this is going to go to a game, game seven. I feel like all MLB World Series go to a game seven. Uh, but this one in particular, I mean, both matchups and both teams complement each other really well. So it should be a fun and exciting one, just like it was not too long ago. But it should be an interesting series. And honestly, I think this year, this I wouldn't say it's wide open, but there's a lot of opportunity for people to have success this World Series compared to previous World Series, just because of the amount of good teams that are in it. I mean, there's like sometimes when, you know, guys might end up being just way better because of, or teams might be way better than another team, not necessarily because of skill, but just because of talent that they have. 
So it should be a fun, exciting postseason. I, I don't want to say it's completely up for grabs, but I definitely feel like there's a lot of situations or just a lot of field points as well, where I think a lot of people are expecting this to be a really good series. And, and one of the things that, you know, really helps teams, you know, moving forward into not only the postseason this year, but next year as well. So like I said, really excited to see what's going to happen in this one, but I have the Dodgers winning the world series. I just think they're too good of a team, especially at times as of late to, uh, to not win a world series here. Well, thank you guys for listening to another episode of The Truth. I hope you guys did enjoy it. If you guys did, make sure you follow The Truth on Twitter at The Truth as one to stay up to date with the latest information regarding The Truth, including podcast dates, podcast uploads, and other important information value. Make sure you follow The Truth on Twitter and TikTok as well at the truth or the.tt.truth to uh, see some Instagram lives, some other highlight reels, and all that fun stuff that you guys do want to see and stuff that you don't get to see all the time. So make sure you guys do follow us on that. But until next time, I'm your host, the one you love the most, Niall Huston, joined once again by AJ Ponciano. I appreciate you guys listening, and I hope you guys are as excited for the MLB postseason as we are. We'll talk to you guys next. Take care.